It all started in the 80s and carried into the early 90s, from our teen years to college. The origins of the creative muse, when our eyes were open to original voices in music, film, and literature. It's where we began to understand the possibilities of artistic expression, from spoken word to hip hop, from avant-garde to punk rock, books, films, and songs that inspired us. I'm Kim Selby, and for as long as I can remember, I've been an avid consumer of film, music, and literature. I'll go to the ends of the earth to find those original gems that move and entertain me. I'm also the producer of this podcast. And I am author T. Riley. My writing can be dark, surreal, off the wall, and out there. There's a list of visionaries from all sorts of disciplines I credit to helping me find my voice. We're going to take a look backward at where it all began for the both of us, how it shaped our taste today, and how we create. So let's get started. All right, so how are you doing today? How's your week been? Mine's been crazy. Uh, yep, very crazy. Got my second vaccine today. Awesome. Starting to feel the effects gradually. So we'll Excellent. see if we can make it through this recording. Yeah. So, let's, uh, so, uh, so I'm going to jump right in today. We, uh, we don't have a real segue from our last episode. So we, um, we're going to just jump right in. You and I have been talking, I think this is about our 10th, 9th or 10th episode that we have recorded. And the whole premise of Origins of the Muse is us looking back and us figuring out where our creative influences came from, focused on the 80s, focused on our teenage years, our high school years, our maybe beginning of college years. But there's one person who I think we need to acknowledge because it's easy for us to take a look back and talk about where we were and what we were experiencing as teenagers. But this author actually took her surroundings and wrote about it as it was happening to her. And that author is Essie Hinton. She's an American writer, and she is best known for her novels, which were set in Oklahoma. Many people know The Outsiders, which is probably her most popular book, but she also had uh, another very popular book called Rumblefish. She had another one called That Was Then, This Is Now. And she's actually credited as introducing the young adult genre of books, which influenced all of us. It's a huge, it, can you even call it a genre now? It's young adult books and films are now driving much of Hollywood. So I think she's definitely worth us talking about her and maybe taking some time and talking about The Outsiders in particular. Yeah, well, also notably, didn't she write that book, The Outsiders, when she was like 15 or 16 years old? Yes, yeah, so and maybe I did leave that out um, when I said that she was responding to her surroundings in real time. Yes, she wrote The Outsiders as a 16-year-old. Um it came out in 1967. The film came out in, I think, 1982. But she wrote that book while in high school. And thank you for clearing that up because I was not clear about that. Well, that that's the most compelling thing to me. The The Outsiders was was definitely something that was uh, was in my my universe when I was a kid. Uh, but as an adult who 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 writes fiction. 
Um, the fact that she was able to accomplish something like the outsiders at 15 years old is, is absolutely, um, just mind numbing and staggering to me. I, I can't even conceive as, as much as, as I have always considered myself a storyteller and have, and have always worked on the craft. I, there was nothing about my skill level or my perspective of the universe that would have, that I would have been able to complete a novel at that age. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It's, and to have jump started or, or created, not even jump started, created a whole genre of fiction, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I didn't realize that, that about her, but, um, it, it is, it's, it's astounding. And it's, and it's a great, it's a great book. It's, it's a great movie, um, and and I say that almost in in the form of a question mark. I, it's 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 a really entertaining movie that that jump started a, a careers of a lot of really good actors. Um, I just I find it I find it interesting how it was done because most most of the time people get annoyed that films aren't like the book, right, and. I say they're not meant to be. They're in, they're one creative vision, one interpretation of a book. Very rarely are you going to get the same thing on the screen, and it's hard to do um, in in a hundred and forty five or uh, hour and forty five minutes. Right. Uh, but but the movie itself is um, is almost verbatim the book, which. I don't even know how they did that, but it, it really is interesting. It's, it's, a, it's, it's essentially putting the, the book almost word for word, um, including the dialogue right, right on the screen. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because the, the movie, um, I went through a phase about two years ago where I was re- listening to a lot of celebrity memoirs on audio books. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the one of the books I listened to was Rob Lowe's memoir. And he, you know, he played a pretty major character as Mm -hmm. Soda Curtis in the movie. And he talked a lot about the making of that film. And it was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. And most of them were unknowns at the time. Um, So it is interesting to see that, you know, how verbatim or how, how it tracked, pretty literally back to them or pretty strictly back to the book. Yeah. And the fact that he chose to do that, I mean, Coppola is a genius. And if you watch the film, I mean, it, it is visually stunning. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the music soundtrack is a little bothersome sometimes, but I think that's the period of time when it was done. Uh, but, but it is, I mean, it's bigger than life. And, and I read the book, as a kid, um, made no secret throughout these episodes that, that reading was something I struggled for young. And there are very few books that, that, um, uh, appealed to me enough to, to struggle through them. And, 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 uh, the outsiders was one. Right. Um, for a multitude of reasons. And I think those reasons grew as, as, as that that story was still in my brain, the book version and the film version. 
um, and and I keep saying the book and film because the book you 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 assign the characters in your brain now that you've got a film, especially one that's almost exactly like the book. Well, they they kind of become the characters now, right? So, um, my my father, who's dead now, was a, a really interesting character. Um, had a lot of flaws. And, we're all human beings. We all come to the table with a lot of flaws, but uh, a lot of interesting attributes too. And, and he was, um, there are old pictures of him when he first was dating my mother and he pretty much looked like he rode out of the movie screen of the outsiders. I mean, he had the, the, the greased up hair, in the leather jacket, he rode a Harley Davidson. He was in biker clubs all through my my youth, um, and got in a lot of trouble too. Uh, so he was a bigger le- than life character for me hmm. when I was young, and um, tried to emulate him. Obviously, when I was a little kid, like many kids do, and, and it was almost like seeing my father later after I found that the the book and the film it was almost like seeing my my dad up there so that so that was the first thing that attracted me and then as I got older um in some ways I was able to to put myself in that book and and book slash movie I'm gonna mm-hmm. keep saying that because we're gonna bring up some characters and who they were but uh our last last episode when we talked about the um, the first band, so I painted this picture, this setting of hanging out with with the the heads, the jean jackets and the boots, you know, ripped up jeans, and and we would hang out at night in in, in this woods, and uh, these were all the older kids. They were the outcasts in many ways. They were the ones who were considered juvenile delinquents. Um, and they were older. Put that emphasis on older because I hung right. out with older kids. And and um, they looked out for me. And I was also a kid who got in a lot of trouble. I, I Younger, I, I got in a lot of fights. And I was never a big kid, so I, I lost a lot of fights. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I, in many ways, I felt like Pony Boy, mm. and uh, they, I, I didn't have the big brother, but he only—he didn't just have big brothers; they were all his his brothers, right? right? It wasn't just his two brothers; they all treated him like big, like like he was the little brother, and and right. that's how I always felt the whole crew. And, yeah, and there was a there was a security about that, and 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 I guess a it was low risk in 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 me trying to be me because they were there and protective, especially early on. And I'm talking about seventh grade leading into eighth grade, leading into um, to freshman year. Okay. And uh, these guys, I mean, maybe their hair was a little bit longer mm-hmm. and not as dipped in grease as the greasers, but the, uh, but the, the, um, and maybe the concert t-shirts would have looked a little different than, right, than yeah. Amelia Estevez's Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Right. Um, but it was it was a very similar look. So it, it felt very mm-hmm. similar to me. And uh, 
and it is a book that that I I picked up a couple of times in, in the film that I would watch because because I identified it with it and it, it was the characters were close to what I was experiencing. Right, and Pony Boy was fourteen. Pony Boy was fourteen. His his so, the Pony Boy character was fourteen. So, so right, that was C. What is uh, C. Thomas Howell? C. Thomas Howell. I always yep. get that wrong because it's a weird way to say your name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, Pony Boy was the, the the main character and storyteller, right? Mm-hmm. In the in the story, and right, um, for sure. And uh, that world was seen through through his eyes, which is another. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, another. Yet another way that I, I probably identified with that because early on I was, I was trying to be a storyteller and I was envisioning that one day I would be a storyteller. And uh, so I often in my brain, I wasn't always writing it, but in my head, I was often uh, narrating the environment that I was walking through. Okay. And, uh, and the fact that I, I identified with that character and at the same time I was doing my own version of narration, not even connecting it up until this minute. Um, that's another way that this, this really was one of those foundational steps to, uh, to moving me towards uh, steer- storytelling. Yeah. It's interesting too, that you say, you know, you're, you weren't necessarily writing at the time, but you were, narrating it to yourself and then you know fast forward you know you become a film major you go into film studies um it just it's interesting to kind of put those pieces together as as I'm listening to you talk and you know talk about how your you know creative life started at that age and how it has transformed you know, I picture as you're, as you were talking about like walking through your environment and walking through the stories, you know, I can't help but think of your character um, in Grayscale who did a lot of walking, would walk around at night or would walk around Philly at night describing, you know, describing what was around him. It's, I feel like some of the pieces of, uh, <laughs> Your personality are coming together for me. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah, and I guess it's similar in the way that that um, a lot of characters I deal with are are, are I, I always use that word outcast, but mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe a better way to say it is just just a little bit disconnected with mm-hmm. how things are supposed to be. And that, that was that was the that was the important part of the story, of The Outsiders, and, and why. Um, it's so compelling that it was written by a teenager. Right. Um, because there are themes in it that are very adult themes and, um, things that you may latch onto when you're younger, but, but to be able to process it in the way that she did, um, is just, is really profound she um she was able to to um 
create a, create a, a town where there were clear cut sociological, socioeconomic differences mm-hmm. that, that really made or break, broke who you are. And, um, and it was, it was railroad track town. It was one side and the other. Um, unfortunately it's a, it's a very, um, a very white story. So it, it doesn't go into the, the, um, the socioeconomic, um, and other challenges that, that were faced by, by, uh, by African-Americans and people of, of, of other cultural backgrounds, uh, but it still does paint a, a real clear picture about what it means to have money and not. And, um, and, and that's, that's something that, that you and I, uh, would have been around at, at that, that period growing up in the area that we grew up. Cause there, there are clearly, uh, areas that are more affluent than others. And, um, it's a pretty diverse area where, where we grew up, not, not just in, uh, well, I should say specifically to this. I mean, it's, it's diverse in many ways, but it is certainly diverse uh, when you look at the, the concept of wealth. Right. And um, and it, it, it was something that, that, that drove the story. It, it made a, a profound point of, of how impactful that is. And they, they bring it up. It's not, it's not super symbolic. They talk about it and they... They, they, they point out the differences. There's, there's resentment with some characters that come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the, the f- female leads? Uh, was it Sherry? Was that her name? Sherry Valance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lane. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, there, there's a lot of dialogue that, that, that demonstrates the resentment of you, know, you get to live this way and, and, and have, uh, your your future is is pretty much wide open, and and I'm over here, and I'm going to do what my father did and what his father did, and right. we're going to live in the same small crappy house, and that's the way it's going right. to be. And a lot of of justification from the other side, and I may live here, but I'm not like that, and right. and um, it really it, it's it's uh, it's amazing that 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 a teenager could put that together that way yeah and um you know just kind of scrolling through some of the pages here the book was actually banned for a certain amount of time for its depiction of household dysfunction gang violence smoking and drinking that's one interesting thing about it the other interesting thing about it is se hinton she grew up in tulsa oklahoma that's where the book is set that's where the movie was filmed and there is the outsider's house has since been turned into into a museum so this all just feels so authentic which you don't you don't find that authenticity now because things are not necessarily filmed where they actually took place and the idea that this story centered around these groups of young men with one female character. I find that interesting that she as a female writer wrote this world of the young men 
that were inspired by two rival gangs in her high school. And they actually, her, her full name is Susan Eloise Hinton, and the publishers pushed her to use her first two initials because she was a female writer, and they felt that because she was writing this depiction of teenage male groups, that they the book wouldn't be taken seriously. So she had to hide her identity as a female writer or as a woman writer because she was writing about a world that they didn't think she could write about, which is... Again, I mean, I'm sure many artists and many writers probably had to do that, but just to, to wrap it all up in something that was she was dealing with all of this as a teenager. Yeah, that that's I'm glad you brought that up, and and I think the the fact that she had to hide that is a is a reflection of the time period, and and um, I think it's much more acceptable to write from different voices, but um, just because you're writing a different voice doesn't mean the authenticity is there. And there, there's another demonstration. I, I, when I write characters of a different gender, I, um, it, it is, uh, it's a painful exercise for me. Not, not that I, I don't believe I can do it in an authentic way. It's because I want to, um, and, and I don't want to get it wrong. And, and so that's why I have, uh, different people that I trust that, that I can work ideas off of like yourself. And, um, but the fact is, again, she was a teenager and right. she was able to write, write, write from a male voice. And it is that the entire story is written from a male voice mm-hmm. and do it, uh, authentically and, and, and flawlessly. Yeah. Um, it's just really, really impressive yeah this is an interesting conversation because um i mean for many reasons but the the outsiders i mean you have such a personal connection to this book my connection to this book was more from a i've read the book the movie is what sticks with me so much more i've always considered this movie to be in my top 10 maybe in my top five of movies and i think you know, the age that I saw it, I, I honestly am not sure why it resonated with me so strongly. I went to a high school that had a lot of factions, did not have necessarily gangs that I knew about, but it just ties into that clique environment. It ties into the siloed groups of teenagers environment, who gets to go to what party, whether it's not necessarily wrong side of the track situation, but very clear lines with what the groups were. So I don't know if it was that tied in with the cast who I was probably 14 or 15 when I saw it and a lot of very attractive cast. It, it That movie has stuck with me for quite a while. And I can remember being in ninth, ninth grade English and doing a presentation or doing a paper on the Robert Frost poem that was featured, um, Nothing Gold Can Stay. And I remember even mm-hmm. having this movie and that poem and, and I had that poem that I walked around with like in my handbag probably for, you know, my freshman and sophomore year of high school. So that certain artistic aspects of this movie definitely resonated with me without really knowing that they were at the time. So when you say you can kind of go back and and really see the connections, I mean, who remembers a, a poem that they 
wrote about in, in ninth grade. I still remember that. And I still remember, I could probably recite it. I'm not going to, but yeah, that this, this movie, and it's one of these movies that every time it's on, I just, I can't help but watch it all the way through. Yeah. Well, and that's, this is the other thing. If, if we haven't given enough of a list of, of reasons why a teenage, this teenage author should be recognized this is it's a timeless story and um that's a that's a really difficult thing to achieve especially if you're going to write about a time period mm-hmm. and, and what i mean by that I think it's kind of self-explanatory but this is a story that it's it, it is many years since it's been written and i believe anyone can pick up that 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 story and and, and identify with what what is what is taking place in it and and the themes it's from decades past, um, so music's going to be different. The way people talk will be different. The styles will be different. Mm-hmm. But when when you talk about issues of of wealth and class mm-hmm. and, and how that can impact people's lives, especially when you're young, yeah, that's what I mean by timeless and. Um, there, there are a few authors that can guarantee they will be read for years to come because they've built in timeless themes that will resonate for years to come. And uh, that kid did it. Here comes the coda. Francis Ford Coppola, director of the movie The Outsiders, is a name that is synonymous with the craft of cinematography. Take any intro to film class and you'll be introduced to the greats and there's a good chance that you will hear the name Coppola. Especially if your class looked at the radical transformation of Hollywood in the 60s and 70s called the New Hollywood Movement that laid the groundwork for the risk-taking independent filmmakers that followed in the 80s and 90s. According to IMDb, Coppola is credited with producing 76 films, directing 36, writing 29, acting in 5, and even composing one soundtrack. Many of these credits overlap as many of the greats contribute in multiple roles. To name a few films with the Coppola name attached, Dementia 13, The Rain People, The Godfather, Apocalypse Now, Rumblefish, Peggy Sue Got Married, New York Stories, and Bram Stoker's Dracula. Coppola is a genius and considered by many who are in the art of cinema to be one of the greatest filmmakers of all time. And if that isn't enough to earn artistic acclaim, Coppola founded Zotrope in 1997, which quickly became one of the most respected literary magazines in the world. The term Zotrope, which is an old-fashioned toy that displays images, is a nod to the filmmaker's roots in the visual. Zotrope is a quarterly work that prints short stories, one-act plays, and essays, has published well-known crafters of the word, and unknown writers. Zotrope also offers online writing workshops, sponsors contests, and provides a bridge to literary agents. As the filmmaker and advocate of writer's career reaches his 80s, he is assured the Coppola name will forever be remembered. That status is being reinforced by his daughter Sophia, who is building her own directorial resume of compelling works, including The Virgin Suicides and Lost in Translation. Thanks for listening to Origins of the Muse. You can find out more about T at author-tryley.com. That's author-t-r-e-i-l-l-y.com. 
You can even read some of his work on his website. He's posted more than 75,000 words you can read for free. If you like what you hear on Origins of the Muse, you can hit the subscribe button and you can always rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts.